Good luck with the most beautiful game. Do us proud. Red alert! They're off and running again. So smooth, so sweet, splendid, succinct, just glorious execution. Guys, all I'm looking for is 60% effort, 4,000% of the time. How sharp was that? Sharp of mind and body. And that's why you see those beautiful tears. Look at his movements. The most dangerous man on the planet. Nobody picks him up. Hello and welcome to Wonder Goal, the soccer betting podcast from the Action Network presented by Bet365. I'm your host, BJ Cunningham, and this is your World Cup group stage betting preview part two as we go through how to approach groups E through H from a betting perspective, the group everybody's been waiting for. Group E, the United States of America, your two-time defending World Cup champions. They're only minus 275 to win this group, and they are in a kind of difficult group with the Dutch, who are 2-1 to one to win this group. Portugal sitting at... 50 to one, and then Vietnam, one of the longest shots in the tournament at 500 to one. It's, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll dive deeper into this when we talk Team USA uh, on our next show tomorrow. But you kind of mentioned off the top, you know, in terms of the women's game, the rest of the world is catching up with the United States. And it's really reflected here in the odds. And they are in a difficult group with the Dutch, who they beat in the final at the 2019 World Cup. Um, question is, though, Anthony. Are you laying it at minus 275 with the United States to win this group? Or is there another angle potentially trying to fade the Dutch uh, to not get out of this group? I think when we look at the outright prices, I think the market is telling you not only that the world is catching up to the United States, but the world is actually caught up to the United States. And the market thinks so. Because if you look at it, yes, the United States is favored, plus 250 to win the World Cup, uh, most shops. Uh, and that has come down a little bit, but it, it's roughly in that spot for the last six months since the bracket came out. Well, if you consider that they got pretty much the most favorable draw you could have possibly imagined, uh, the fact that they are only this small of a favorite over the rest of the field uh, is a sign that England, France, Germany, Spain have caught up in terms of true talent, just like raw talent on the field. Uh, and that, you know, because those teams are going to beat each other up to get to the play of the United States, the United States is the betting favorite. Uh, I have no interest in laying the minus 275, but I'm also not really a believer in the Dutch, relatively speaking. Um, this Dutch team without... Uh, Viv Miedema is just not as imposing to me. Like they played at the Olympics two years ago in summer of 21. Uh, Miedema scored twice, kind of kept the Dutch in the game. It was a very even game, uh, but the Dutch have had a lot of performances where they've gone up in kind of weight class and, and played the big, the big squads in the world and gotten a little bit embarrassed. And it goes even back to the World Cup in 2019. I know that was a very different women's national team uh, in 2019, but that game in that final was not competitive at all. XG was... Uh, three to 0.4 in favor of the United States. The Dutch have had some really questionable results in the, in the, in the interim. Uh, you know, they lose to Germany at home, which isn't terrible on paper, but it wasn't that competitive of a match in terms of uh, chances created. Uh, and then at the euros last summer, it was the wipeout uh, loss to France. Like it was only one nil on the scoreline, but XG 4.7 to four or to one rather. Uh, and then even in their other matches, like they were fine. They played Switzerland, uh, even Portugal. They were slightly better. They they played to a draw with Sweden. Like this is a team that I think is teetering on like tier one, tier two. 
of the competitors. And I think they are clearly uh, below the France's of the world and closer to even like a Portugal or Sweden. So I think it's interesting. Um, Portugal in this group is eight to one to advance and you're essentially betting them against the Dutch. And I think at eight to one, uh, I'm going to be buying this Portuguese team. They don't have a ton of pedigree in their history, but they play a very expansive kind of like flair based style. It's, it's, it's different from how the Portugal men's team has played for the last uh, couple of cycles, but this is a team that has been competitive. You know, they, they beat Norway uh, in the, in the Algarve cup last year. Uh, then they lost to them in the second match. Um, they've had up and down results. Like I said, they pushed the Netherlands. Uh, they got they, they have not matched up well with the Swedes at all. But again, I think the Dutch are below the Swedes at this point. So on an eight to one ticket, they're going to probably be my favorite long shot, maybe second favorite long shot. I'm going to take them to advance. I think that the uh, kind of the group of talent they put together is good enough for me to believe, given the Dutch style and just how inconsistent they are defensively. Uh, I think you could see them leak goals in this tournament and get beat uh, in that. And I, I believe that's their second match. So or no, that's their first match. So it's going to be decided pretty quickly here, potentially for Portugal. If Portugal can get an upset. Um, they will be very live to advance out of this group. And like I said, eight to one to advance. Uh, I think the United States gets the Dutch second as well, which could also factor into kind of how this plays out. Uh, where you know the United States gets Portugal last. If the United States has already won the first two games, they could rotate, which could give Portugal a chance to get a steal a point, also could keep the goal difference down, which could matter if the Dutch and the Portuguese tie in their first match, which is certainly in the cards. So I think Portugal 8-1 to one is my long shot here, and I, I'm buying into them. I don't really see uh, Vietnam as much of a threat. They're catching 6.5 in their first game against the United States. Uh, which is kind of, you know, an, an, an indicator of where they are as a footballing nation right now. And, uh, you know, qualifying for the World Cup is a big achievement for them, but they don't really have the talent to compete with these other three teams. And like I said, I just don't think the gap between Portugal and the Dutch is that big. So eight to one, Portugal to advance. Yeah, I, I'm actually starting to believe that and agree with you because, you know, you mentioned it, Portugal and Netherlands were paired in a group at the Euros. I mean, Netherlands won that match 3-2. XG was just 1.8 to, to 1.4. And even with the Dutch holding 62% possession, box entries were about the same. So getting a price at eight to one, the Netherlands uh, is minus 225 in their first match against Portugal. Portugal's plus 550 at bet 365. So getting them a price at eight to one, which you mentioned goal differential with a team like Vietnam in this group, where every team, when they play them are going to be a significantly high on the spread, that goal differential could come into play even if you know portugal uh, draws their first match with the netherlands and the netherlands you mentioned madama being out is obviously massive for them she's their best striker and the the incredibly poor result against france is just incredibly concerning to get 4.7 expected goals created on you giving up 32 shots for against one of the favorites it's it doesn't give you much encouragement for this dutch team and they were much better under weigman now they're under a different manager the results haven't been there and they're still getting priced. Like they're one of the top four or five teams in the world. Like it just, it doesn't make any sense to me. So I agree with you that uh, I do like Portugal to get through this. The one thing encouraging, encouraging about Portugal is a lot of their players do play uh, domestically in Portugal, but they all play for essentially for Benefica or for Porto. So like they're very uh, cohesive type group that's played together a lot, especially with their back line. I believe it is, is basically all Benefica teammates. So, um, 
very, very encouraging stuff from Portugal, who, you know, hasn't been a, you know, I believe this is the, their first or second World Cup. Uh, so, you know, they haven't been a powerful footballing nation in terms of the women's game, but they are improving in terms of their talents and they're getting better. And this is their, finally their time to make a mark here at the World Cup. So I agree with you, Portugal at 8-1. to And then, you know, Vietnam, we have to mention it. I mean, they they got here because they made the quarterfinals of the uh, of the uh, Asian Asian Cup, but uh, they were not competitive whatsoever in that. And it's very interesting, uh, you know, how teams are able to, you know, qualify for this World Cup because essentially Asia, there is no World Cup qualification like there is in uh, Europe. Essentially, what happened is Vietnam, they finished third in their in their group. They tied with Myanmar 2-2, two, 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 but they beat them on goal differential, minus six to minus seven. And then uh, Iran was in a group, uh, and they had a minus 12 goal differential, so the third place team's getting ranked. Vietnam just barely squeaked into the quarterfinals and then just got beat uh, pretty badly. So they, they didn't really do much to actually get to this World Cup. Like, okay, it's an accomplishment. They just had one draw, and that was basically it. Um, they're going to try to sit very you know deep. They're a team where essentially – all of their players are playing domestically in Vietnam. So you can kind of see why, uh, you know, the United States is laying six and a half goals, which if you look at the last world cup, I mean, the United States had Thailand in their group and they beat them 13 to nothing. So uh, we'll get to, when we talk about the team, team USA, but from a betting perspective, you know, I think Vietnam is, is close to unbettable at this point, given I, the fact that we just, they're just so bad and I don't really want to lay, I don't really want to take them, you know, seven goals, essentially what it's going to end up being on the spread. Once all the USA money comes in time, we get to that match. So just wrapping things up here, group E, I agree with you. Portugal at eight to one is too high of a price given where they, where they've improved as a footballing nation and given the problems and injuries with the Netherlands. Market has actually moved toward uh, Vietnam a little bit on that. Oh, it was uh, <clears throat> it was six and a half, leaning toward six seven five, and it's closer to six two five now. Ooh. So uh, some money <laughs> coming in on Vietnam in the first match. Uh, we'll we'll I see if that. that people, uh, I wish those gamblers best of luck. I do too. It, it feels like a USA picks their score kind of game. And look, I have my my you know th- thoughts on the, in the U.S. women's national team. We're going to go more in depth with them. Yeah, in that episode, and, and as we get into best bets tomorrow, because obviously the United States is going to be deep into this tournament, and we're going to be having a lot of discussions about them for the next month. But uh, this group uh, is interesting uh, mm-hmm. for sure. They're going to be tested on two of in two of their three matches, at least mm-hmm. someone. Yep, I agree. All right, let's move on to Group F. France is your favorite in this group, sitting at minus two hundred. Brazil sitting at plus 150. Jamaica is 66 to one to win this group. And Panama, one of the longest shots in this entire tournament is 200 to 50, 250 to one. We are in agreement and we'll get to our best bets show in more, in more depth, but uh, we love this French team and they have one of the best international managers in the entire world. Now at the helm after a big scandal happened uh, with the previous manager. So hopefully things have been smoothed out, but, you know, they are, you know, sitting a little, you know, maybe it's a little too high, but I honestly think maybe it's a little bit too short uh, for France to win this group on a team that I think is actually, you know, talent-wise, one of the best teams in the world. What do you think, Anthony? Uh, look, uh, we talked about Spain and kind of the mutiny that happened within their team. France had a similar situation. Uh, Corinne Diak was the manager for France, um, and she had kind of fallen out of favor with a lot of the players, and they kind of went to the Federation and kind of demanded that she be, fired and uh, the French Federation listened 
and they fired her and they brought in Hervé Renard, uh, who we talked about at length last year uh, in our World Cup men's preview pod because he was the manager of Saudi Arabia. Prior to that, he was the manager of the Moroccan national team uh, and really kind of oversaw the development that ultimately led to uh, you know, the cycle that they just had. Uh, and so Renard has had a lot of success. And what I like about him is that the tactical flexibility that he showed in that uh, in that tournament last year, like that team on paper was not very good. Um, they were thoroughly outplayed by the, the Argentinians who ended up going to win the World Cup, by the way. Uh, but in, in the first 45 minutes, um, they drew 10 offsides. Uh, against the Argentinians, they they went with a seemingly suicidal high line, but it paid <laughs> off, and they held Argentina under two expected goals, uh, and including a penalty, uh, and they they created just enough to win the match, uh, and they pull off one of the biggest upsets in the history of of soccer, uh, with Argentina losing as a twenty to or Saudi Arabia winning as a twenty to one underdog, and then they you know they lost to Poland, but that match they were the better side for large stretches of it, playing an entirely different style. Uh, in that match than they did in the first one. So Renard comes in and based on the results in their, in their lead up here, I think it's clear that he's already gotten some buy-in and he's brought in uh, some key talented players that Diak had frozen out. So, you know, the biggest one being uh, Eugenie Le Sommer, who uh, at the last two world cups came in as one of the best players in the world. She is now post peak at 34, but still her off ball movement, her, her ability to link the play. She's as good as anybody in this tournament as, as a central forward, even if she's not quite as explosive. And then you look at like the results, like a five, two win against Colombia. They, they handled Canada uh, and they handled Ireland. They did have a a setback in in Australia, a one, no loss in their last match, but they come into this, into this uh, tournament now with a chance to kind of play their way into form and we talked about the, the the section of depth that is forming here. If England and Germany both win their group, there's a potential for an England, Canada, Germany, Brazil section of the draw where four of the best 10 teams will be in the same quadrant in the knockout stage. France would actually be the benefactor of that. They would be on the top half of that section where they would potentially play Colombia slash South Korea and then either Australia, Canada, or Denmark. So their path to the semifinal is very friendly. Uh, I'm not going to lay the minus 200 here. I'm instead going to play them, make the semifinal price. Uh, you can find a plus 140 out there on them to make the semifinals. That is my favorite bet here. I'm also betting them, or excuse me, plus 170 to make the semifinals. Uh, and then there is a 13 to one to win the World Cup. Uh, this French team was unfortunate to go out in the last World Cup. They, uh, you know, played relatively even at the Euros last summer with the top teams. I mentioned their complete domination of the Dutch. We just talked about that. Like there have been uh, a lot of competitive matches. And this was prior to Renard even coming in, that they went toe-to-toe with Germany, who I think might be the best team in the world right now on paper. Um, So I'm in on this French team. Now that they seem to be in work together, more cohesive. I love the manager's tactical flexibility, his his credibility, uh, and I love the talent across the board. Uh, it's as good as any team in this in this tournament. So, vive la France, ramenez la coupe à la maison. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, we love Hervé Renard on this show. I mean, we've there's a famous saying, Anthony, because he's won the Africa Cup of Nations twice, once with Zambia and once with the Ivory Coast. So the people of Africa say, do not doubt the power of the white-collared shirt, his lucky white-collared shirt. Uh, he's He may he's only shown- own one. Of the shirt. It might be the same shirt. 
I think he said that at the uh, at the World Cup. Somebody asked him if he was going to change his shirt, and he was just like, "No, why would I do that? It's incredibly lucky." <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, no, he is. He like you mentioned his tactical flexibility, and you know, with the French women's national team, like he has so much talent to be able to utilize that tactical flexibility. I mean, if they want to play, which they have shown in the past of this high pressing, high intensity, you know, high line. Well, they have one of the best center backs in the world and Wendy Renard, who is not related to Hervé Renard, by the way, I had to look that up, um, but she is not, you know, uh, she's in the center back partnership with Dale Almeida, who those are two of the best center backs in the French league and, and, and the world, essentially. They have three ball progression machines in the middle of the pitch. And you mentioned Lace Somer. I mean, she was a 1.19 XG plus expected assist per 90 minute striker this season. And then she has a partnership with Diani, who plays for PSG, who won the golden boot in France at a 1.01 XG per minute uh, scoring rate. So there is plenty of depth to this attack. And France, you know, whatever Renard decides to do, they have shown previously that they are a slow progression buildup style team, but they're very, very effective at breaking down low blocks. They're not essentially, you know, a team like, you know, maybe a uh, a Netherlands or, or a Switzerland who want to build up very slowly, but then kind of struggle when they get into the final third. They've been very, very good at whether they want to attack the middle of the pitch, whether they want to attack out wide via crosses. They're so, so good. I mean, they were, outside of England, they were the best offensive team at the Euros. I mean, they created 17.4 expected goals in total in their five matches. So, you know, you look at the other teams in this group, Brazil, who is a team with a really high floor. Like, they have... Uh, talent, you know, team, you know, women who are playing, you know, whether it be over uh, in the NWSL or in in Spain, and they've had some decent results coming in. You know, they went to the She Believes Cup, they got beat by the United States and Canada, did get a one nil win over Japan, then the lead up to this World Cup, they did have an impressive two one win over Germany, and then beat Chile for nothing. And they're a team that can also play a couple of different styles. They like to play a four four two, and they like to utilize their pace, and they like to play very vertical transitional style, which could be okay against against france but given the talent disparity between these two teams a team that brazil with a high floor low ceiling uh i'm not so sure that uh you know especially when they face teams that are are good build-up teams you know brazil does like to come out and press you know it's very evident when they played you know the united states and canada and even germany i mean germany completed over 30 passes in the final third against brazil in that match even though brazil won it so um it's kind of difficult for me to to get behind Brazil, and I'm just in love with this French team. So I am laying them at minus 200 to win this group. You know, if you look at the other teams, you know, Jamaica has one of one of the best strikers uh, in the women's Super League, and Kaija Shaw, who scored 20 goals for Manchester City this season. It's kind of her or nothing. Like Jamaica is going to play, you know, very direct, very uh, you know, counterattacking, but they're not very good, you know, sitting a low block. You know, if you look at their results coming into this World Cup, I mean, they've gotten beaten. 5 nothing by Italy, 4-1 by Australia, and 4 nothing by the United States. Uh, and, uh, you know, they split a couple matches with South Korea and Paraguay. So uh, not really encouraging for Jamaica to potentially get out of this. You know, Shaw is 150-1 to one to win the Golden Boots. So I might have to throw, uh, you know, a tenth, of a, unit, a tenth of a unit on that just because of how good she is. I mean, she, for Jamaica, I mean, I, I get it. They've played a lot of, you know, island nations, you know, in, in CONCACAF and everything, but she's scored 56 goals and 38 appearances. Like she's incredible. Uh, and then Panama is the longest shot in this entire uh, World Cup. They have very little talent uh, to speak of. Um, and I, I don't see a scenario where they're even going to challenge 
uh, and he needs three teams and even three teams and even Jamaica uh, to get out of this group. But yes, I'm in love with France. You know, I've already bet them at 13 to one to win the World Cup, and I'm with you as well at plus 170 to make the semifinals because their path to the semifinals is actually halfway decent you know if they if they win this group they're going to get the runner up in group h which we'll get to is probably the weakest in terms of a second place team coming out of any of these groups and then they will get uh the winner of of group b which will be australia or or canada and the runners up to group d which will be denmark which you know canada and australia talent wise you know i believe are maybe even like a little notch below france and france will be favored in that one so it'd be a good opportunity if you want to hedge so I'm with you. I love this French team. They're one of my favorite picks to to win the World Cup. I'm laying them at minus 200 to win this group because I think their talent level is is vastly superior to that of of Brazil, who is a good pressing team. But when they face good build up teams like a like a team like France, they really tend to struggle and leave a lot of space in behind. So I trust Hervé Renard. He's one of the best international managers on the men's or women's side uh, in the history of the last you know 10 or 10 years or so with his pedigree uh, throughout Africa. So. Um, France to win this group of minus 200 is my favorite bet. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, we have to talk about Marta. We have to just mention her. Yeah. 37 years old, the most decorated women's international mm-hmm. soccer player ever. Um, still going to be playing for Brazil here. She's kind of the end of the last generation, and they have kind of pushed some of the older last gens out, and they're trying to usher in this new generation. Brazil is kind of caught between, though, and I think that kind of limits their ceiling. Uh, Marta may not start. Uh, she she will probably. I mean, she will play, but how much will she play is a question. I think Jamaica uh, going to be uber uber defensive and just kind of hope Shaw magics a goal or two. Uh, could pull an upset, but uh, I, I really don't see it. And the problem with Brazil in terms of like upside is that that second place team is just going to get Germany in the round of sixteen. If they win that, they're going to get England in the quarters. So it's just like yeah. not really feasible to go on a run like that. So the path is not friendly for the Brazilians or whoever comes in second. Hopefully it doesn't end up being France or we're both screwed. So yeah. Uh, yeah. Moving on though. Yep. All right. Let's move on to group G Sweden is your favorites in this group sitting at minus 600. Italy is plus five fifty to win this group. Argentina sitting at 16 to one in South Africa is the longest shot at 66 to one. This group, Seems pretty straightforward uh, to me. I believe, you know, Sweden uh, is, you know, they're ranked third in the FIFA rankings. They're an incredibly talented squad that I know we both love to make a deep run in this entire tournament. Um, The, you know, Italy is also a very interesting team, but their results have been a little bit questionable in terms of the Euros and leading up to this World Cup, but I don't believe Argentina has the talent to really challenge them. So it seems pretty straightforward. It's going to be Sweden and Italy getting out of this group. Um, But Sweden, Anthony, is a very, very interesting team, like I already mentioned, to make a deep run in this tournament. Yeah, Friedrich Rolfo is one of the more exciting uh, kind of forward wingy players in this entire field. Uh, she's going to be a, a major uh, player for them. She was excellent um, because, you know, they had really struggled at the Euros last year uh, and they had really not played up to their standards. I mean, when you think of Sweden, you can remember if you know if you're a fan of soccer who's only women's soccer who's only really watched US women's national team you know Sweden because they always play the United States and they generally play them tough uh, and they beat them at the Olympics a couple of years ago, but this has been kind of a weird period for the Swedes where they have been down uh, and, and and Rolfo is kind of the the player that needs to step up for them uh, as as their wide creator uh, and she plays for Barcelona she's been excellent for them and, and dominated. Uh, as Barcelona has completely dominated Europe in the women's field, 
and, and her ability to get forward is a major key, but they have defensive holes here. So I think that there are vulnerabilities for Sweden, but the problem is like, who's going to expose them. Uh, and I don't think that they got a very tough group. I would have looked to potentially play against Sweden uh, in a, in a different group here, but this for me, like a is clearly the weakest just because Norway, I think is below Sweden. I think Norway, like the other teams in their group are, are, are a little weaker, but this is clearly the second weakest group. When you look at it, like a and G immediately jump off the page. There's no dynamite second team. Uh, and, and even the third and fourth are, are pretty weak. Argentina, uh, they, they just don't have the same pedigree on the women's side that they do on the men's uh, don't have that same high, high end talent. Uh, Brazil has completely dominated Comable for pretty much the entire existence of the confederation. Uh, so, mm-hmm the the depth in that Argentina team is not all that exciting and Italy like similar in that way and that they just don't have the same pedigree and their results at the Euros weren't very impressive so when you look at Sweden it really comes down to can they defend enough uh, because their their draw is looking tricky but not impossible in the sense that their most likely second opponent could be the Dutch although I think Portugal is going to have a potential something to say about that uh, and then a potential Spain, Japan, Switzerland a round of uh, quarterfinals. So I am going to take some Sweden to make the semis. When I filled out my bracket, I had Sweden there uh, in that semifinal against the United States again. Um, but I, I do think that the uh, the Swedes got a very favorable draw from the from the bracket gods, and that will help kind of massage over any real flaws in this team overall. I agree. You know, Sweden also has Blackensinus, who, you know, plays for Arsenal, scored 13 goals between, you know, the World Super League and the Champions League, along with Rolfo. Uh, so they have a ton of talent. And, you know, Sweden, like, I I, I agree. Like, I've, I've bet them at 20 to 1 to win the World Cup. I bet them, at, like, with you at plus 250 to make the semis just because their draw sets up perfectly. They've had some interesting results like in the lead up to this world cup they drew spain 1-1 they got beat by france 3-0 and then lost to australia 4-0 uh and they also you know and then if you can go back to the spring you know they lost 1-0 to denmark and then drew norway 3-3 so it's kind of a little bit concerning uh in the lead up to this but the talent level between them and italy and argentina and south africa in this group i think is far drastic and you know this is kind of one of my one of my uh, plays here is going to be a, a parlay between the United States, Sweden, and Norway to all win their groups, uh, which I think pays out a pretty decent price. So uh, that's going to be my you know one of my my main bets that I'm making. But the other teams in this group, and I, I mean the thing with Italy, and it's kind of concerning uh, to me is that when you look through their results, they're a team that needs to have possession to be successful, and they adopt the same principles as you know the men's team where. They like to play through the middle of the pitch, a lot of short combination passes, put the ball on the floor and just, you know, try to beat presses. Well, if you go back to the Euros last summer, uh, they played France and they got absolutely dismantled. They lost that match 5-1 and conceded 3.9 expected goals. Then they control a majority of the possession, you know, against against Belgium and Iceland and they win the XG battles in both of those. It wasn't good enough to get out of the group stage because they did lose one nothing to Belgium. But... You know, they're they're very conservative in their buildup play. You know, they're very slow, they're very pragmatic. They like to do a four-two buildup style and even drop even one more player in uh to help them in that buildup. So they are using those short combination passes. But defensively, when they're out of possession, they've been bad. Over the last calendar year, they've conceded close to two expected goals per 90 minutes, but only conceded about 1.2 actual goals per 90 minutes. So they're a defense that is overdue to concede. Um, the question is, is in this group, is there a team that 
can overtake them. Like you mentioned with Argentina, that they're, most of their players are playing domestically, you know, whether it be in Argentina or somewhere around South America. And you look at them as well. They're a team that also needs to have possession to be successful, and they haven't been good throughout uh, Commonwealth as well. So I don't see them. South Africa, we should also mention, is the AFCON champions um, in 2022. They beat Nigeria, Sambia, and Morocco on their path to championship. Although they are the champions of Africa, the problem with them is, is if you look at the talent level for them, comparatively, I mean, they have, most of their players are playing domestically in South Africa. So uh, right away that, uh, that gives me a little bit of pause uh, when I go through, you know, in terms of talent level for them to overtake a team like Italy and they are playing Sweden in their, in their first match. And I think they're two and a half goal underdogs in that one. Uh, they do play a four, four, two. They're very comfortable not having the ball. So that is a positive when they're going to play a team like a Sweden or a team like Italy, um, so if you're looking for a long shot, South Africa is 12 to one to qualify, uh, at bet three, six, five to get out of this group. They're a team that, like I already mentioned, they don't have a lot of talent, but they do have a lot of international pedigree and going through the Africa cup of nations, beating teams like Nigeria, Zambia, and Morocco is impressive in and of itself. You know, their, mm. their, their offensive output isn't that great. They, the lead up, even the lead up to this world cup hasn't been great. They got dismantled by Brazil. They played two matches against them, lost a combined nine, nothing. They played Zambia again, lost one, nothing to them and lost four, one to Australia. So confidence isn't really that high coming into this group. They aren't a difficult group, but if you're looking for that, that long shot, uh, because we haven't really given out very many long shots in this other than Portugal to advance at eight to one. South Africa does have the international pedigree in, in, in terms of a tournament to get through this type of group. And with the defensive question marks of Italy, a team that's bad in transition defense and Argentina, that talent wise is closer to a South Africa than they are to in Italy. I'll make a case for South Africa at 12 to one uh, to get through this group, but I believe it is going to be very straightforward that Sweden's going to win this group and run away uh, and get a very favorable draw uh, playing potentially Spain in the quarterfinals. You mentioned, right. but you also mentioned Japan too. So we have had a few. Yeah, Japan, I had five to one. Yeah, yeah. So some, and then you're, you're riding here. South Africa, and I've got one left in my in my whole yep. there that I've been waiting on. Yep. So let's get to it. Group H, which is the the most top heavy group of any of them in the World Cup. Uh, Germany, one of the tournament favorites, is minus two thousand to win this group. Colombia is twelve to one to win the group. South Korea twenty to one, and Morocco the longest shot at 150 to one to win this tournament. But you believe that Morocco potentially has a chance to get out of this group and to qualify at a pretty, pretty high number. Yeah. 22 to one mm -hmm. uh, to qualify. Uh, I'm going to be firing on that and no, it has nothing to do with what the men's team did last year. Uh, you know, one of our more famous calls, but I, I, it really has to do with this Morocco team and kind of, the building blocks of what I think uh, is, is a decent team. Uh, they bring in Pedros from uh, Lyon. Lyon, like we mentioned before, one of the biggest teams in women's uh, soccer and, and consistently in the Champions League. They've won, he won the league multiple times, the Champions League multiple times. So he goes to Morocco, which is weird. Uh, and they pulled in a ton of dual nationals from other countries. You know, the people with the opportunity to play for Spain and Morocco or France and Morocco. Uh, and he pulled in a lot of talent. Uh, and and they've now put together uh, a well-organized defense uh, that has had some okay enough results for me to buy in. Like they drew away to Italy, they drew away to Switzerland, they lost one 0 at Jamaica, 
uh, and they have only scored five goals in their nine games, their last nine. But uh, if you look at the on paper, uh, the talent to score goals pretty much comes down to Rosella Ayani, who plays for Tottenham. Like the scoring goals is going to be a challenge for them, but in this group where everybody's going to lose to Germany, and then it's kind of like a mucky battle for the the next spot. Like Colombia plays this haywire style mm-hmm. that I don't know will translate <laughs> all that well to a tournament. Uh, to the point where like they're going to probably score and like and like Myra's awesome, but they don't defend at all. Um, so can a more disciplined maybe less talented, but more disciplined team sneak a goal and defend. Uh, and that's kind of the, the path here for me to get interested in 22 to one South Korea. We talked about China beating Japan and Korea. I'm kind of not that interested in any of the East Asian teams uh, because I think they're all relatively down like this Korean side. I think they're better than Colombia, but I don't think uh, that the gap between those two and the Moroccans is that big. So at 22 to one to advance, when I think everybody's going to take a loss to start the tournament yep. uh, with the Germans. Like I, I just have to fire on that. So uh, give me the Moroccans trusting the defense, trusting Pedras, uh, trusting kind of this, this system that could bear some fruit for them as an, as a footballing nation. Yeah. We'll talk about Germany more when we get to the, uh, you know, our best bets show uh, tomorrow, because they're a lot more interesting in terms of what happens in the knockout stage. Cause it's very, like you said, it's very straightforward. They're going to win three matches and they're going to get through this group fairly easily. You mentioned Morocco and I, I was doing my, my prep on them and, you know, throughout AFCON, they did control a lot of possession. Uh, you know, they, with the new manager, he, he adopted a four, two, three, one. And it's not like a lot of these women's national teams that are very four, four, two direct counterattacking style play. Like they did control a lot of possession. They were the runners up at AFCON to South Africa, but you know, even though they did control a lot of possession, they actually play a style that I think can be successful, even if they're not going to be the ones controlling a ton of that possession. Like they, you know, Ayani is is clearly their best player and their best attacking player. They like to just send a lot of long balls up to her uh, and just kind of hope, kind of hope for the best, which is obviously going to be very, very good against a team like especially Colombia, who you mentioned their haywire style. I mean, it is, it is balls to the wall, like all out press and really not much cohesion in that press or really not much of a plan. It's just kind of like we're just going to try to win the ball back. We're just going to try to, you know, play in transition as quick as possible. And it's, it's gotten them here. Like they got, you know, they finished runners up to Brazil at, at com at the, uh, you know, Copa America, but they are way, way too aggressive of a team, especially in this group against a team like Morocco who can play that style. Morocco is also a very, very efficient set piece team, which is very, very good. If you're not going to be able to control a lot of possession, you know, you need to be able to take advantage of your set piece opportunities. So I agree with you at 22 to one is, is, is a little bit too high of a price on a team that has shown a lot of promise uh, you know, not scoring is a problem uh, coming into this, but again, it's 22 to one, right? Like we're not sitting here giving you out, uh, you know, a five to one price on a team that can't score. They're 22 to one to advance. So I agree with you. I like that. Um, if, you know, if, you know, you want to play another team, I also do like South Korea to advance at even money. Uh, so essentially maybe you could, you know, uh, if you want to play both, you at least get your money back on one of the two, because I don't believe that Colombia is going to get through this group, given their uh, haywire style. You know, South Korea did go all the way losing the final to China at that Asian Women's Cup. And, you know, they're a team much like Jamaica that 
you know, they play a very intense pressing style. It's a lot of pressing trap. It's not a lot of high, high pressing. Uh, and they have a lot of fluidity in their attack. Like they're, they're what I love about them. And I think they're going to set up perfectly when they play against a team like Colombia, who's going to play very high haywire, or even maybe a team like Germany, who Germany, much like the men's national team is, is incredibly aggressive with their pressing and their high line. Um, so playing a team like South Korea that is very versatile in their attack, that can play in transition, that can play a lot of possession, and with their three attackers, they're all very versatile where they can all play different positions. So you'll see uh, at many times where they'll just kind of rotate, uh, you know, around the pitch. They have, uh, you know, uh, very very, you know, they have a lot of talent. They, you know, they have um, uh, Lee Min who's who played for Brighton this season, who didn't really have great expected goal or expected assist numbers, but was in the 99th percentile for uh, progressive passes per 90. Uh, so, you know, rotating her along with other, a lot of other different players, um, you know, gives them a lot of fluid in their attack. So a very fascinating team when they play Germany to potentially, you know, bet to, to score or to see what they are on the spread, potentially to bet them as an underdog. Um, they're interesting and you, know, you can get them at a price of, of even money. If you, you know, if, if Morocco, if you don't like Morocco at 22 to one, uh, any way to bet against Colombia uh, to get at this group who I do not agree with, it should be you know, Colombia is essentially the team that's favored over these other two teams to get out of this group. I do not agree with that at all. They're way too aggressive and uh, are going to be so open defensively, especially against teams that are good in transition like South Korea and Morocco. Uh, it, it's, it's very troublesome. So uh, Morocco 22 to one to get out of this group, South Korea at even money is going to be my pick uh, for this one. And uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty straightforward here with Germany um, and we'll see what happens in this group, but we'll talk more about Germany and their prospects when we get to our best bets show tomorrow. And we'll wrap it up from there for this edition of wonder goal, the soccer betting podcast from the action network presented by bet three, six, five. After you finish up our group stage episodes, check back tomorrow when we return with our team USA betting preview, plus our world cup best bets. Thanks for listening and best of luck. Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.